Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Another Film Podcast. My name is Matt. <laughs> my name my- is Tierney. <laughs> and my name is Colin. We're switching things up uh, this episode in a lot of ways, actually. Uh, first, that I introed it instead of Tierney. Um, and now we're just, you know, who, you're not going to know who's going to be introing each episode. It's going to be a surprise to the listener of which of our beautiful voices you'll hear first. Um, and also, this week, we're taking a short, brief interlude between our film festival picks in order to discuss a very big, very uh, important uh, movie. Important uh, as in everyone's talking about it, uh, but we'll have discussions about whether or not it's actually important. Uh, (laughs) The Denis Villeneuve brand new film, Dune. Dune! Dune. It's pronounced Dune, actually. The U is long. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking Dune. We are talking... D-U-N-E. So we were supposed to watch my next movie this week. But we'll get to that one eventually. Which we'll get to. We'll get to it. It's not like we're just abandoning it entirely, but... Um, Tony really wants to make sure that it's not forgotten because she paid for the rental <laughs> yeah. and said, we are recording an episode for this because I just paid for it. Yeah. And spent an hour and a half of my life watching it. Yeah. So we Well, hold on to those episode. takes. We will get there, but... Um, oh, I, I saw... am holding on to them. <laughs> wow. Yikes. Anyway. <laughs> um, I saw Dune on Friday, opening day. Um, and as anybody who's talked to Matt or I, basically in the last year and a half knows, we have been, like, just unbelievably excited for this movie. Um, I saw it on Friday, and then I saw it again on Saturday. And Tierney texted us on Saturday. And I... I knew that Matt was seeing it on Saturday night. Tierney texted us on Saturday and was like, oh, yeah, I just, like, watched Dune. I had no idea that she was planning on doing this. She just, like, did it. Um, and then Matt saw Dune and was like, y'all? <laughs> and so I was like, what if we did Dune instead? Like, we can hold off on Matt's hot takes and, like, save them. So instead of having a text message conversation, we could just record it and drop yeah. a We've line We've already episode. started that, though. Well, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's been some brief conversation, but we'll get into the weeds uh, with this episode. Brief and um, a bit brutal. Yeah, it's been harsh, so I'm pretty excited to see where this conversation goes. But all of that having been said, uh, when we are recording this, Dune has been out in the... Well, it's, I mean, it's been out in the world longer, but it's been out in the United States for four days. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's still very, very fresh. I mean, we're going to talk all about it. It's also a novel that's yeah, been around for like 60 plus years. So, you know, like, uh-huh. and there's been a bad movie adaptation already. And a TV show. And a TV show. So like this story's been around, but like if for whatever reason you really want to go in unspoiled uh, for the new Dune, uh, stop listening to this at some point in the very near future because we're going to talk about it. Um, cool. But yeah. With that, let's start, let's go easy, and we'll just start about, we'll talk about our, like, well, I'm just saying, like, we'll talk about our big picture thoughts without getting, like, heavily into spoilers, just to give anybody who, or give our listener their chance to bail. (laughs) But, um, so I, I I can start, um, I 
have been very excited for this movie basically since it was announced. I had never read the novel, but uh, I love Denis. Um, he's only misfired once, in my opinion, um, and that's Blade Runner 2049, which sucks. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but I love him. I'm very interested in what he's doing as a director. And then he started assembling this cast, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah. And so Dune was probably my most anticipated of 2020. And then, obviously, that didn't happen. So I've been, like, anxiously awaiting this movie. And then I had to wait an extra year. So I was, like, extremely hype. Um, I read the novel earlier this year for the first time. And that shit is rough, but good. Um, and then I watched the 1984 David Lynch version, which is rough and not good. And so I was, like, very ready for a hopefully good Dune adaptation. And boy, howdy, was I not disappointed. <laughs> I fucking love this. Uh, I was going to see it twice in this opening weekend anyway. I, was, I went once by myself, and then I was going to go again with a group of friends. So, like, I knew that I was going to see it twice. That wasn't, like, a spur-of-the-moment thing. Um, but I was, like, a little worried that, like, what if I see it the first time and don't like it, and then I, like, have to go again <laughs> the next day? Uh, but I was very excited that I already had tickets to see it again a second day. Um, so yeah, I loved it. I'm very excited because I actually have no idea what Tierney thought of it, but I definitely know what Matt thought of it. So, so I'm Buckle excited. Buckle up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tierney might be harder on it than I even am. And I uh, probably will be. Oh. I got some thoughts. So <laughs> you go next, why, Matt. That's why I was like, you got to be in evasive new maneuvers tonight. Colin, <laughs> I think it's going to be a rough ride. Um, Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, you guys can shit on this movie all you want, and that's fine, but I had a great time, and so, like, I don't yeah. need to be on evasive maneuvers. <laughs> I thought this movie ruled, and if you guys don't like it, that's cool. But, we'll like... <laughs> You're gonna have thoughts on our thoughts, is what I think. Yeah. Um, I don't have any previous relationship with the Dune franchise. Haven't seen the Lynch film. Haven't read the book. Really only know about it from, like a synopsis on wikipedia i think just to get like an idea of what oh 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 <laughs> oh i do have a reference point it's yodorovsky's dune oh yeah i thought was a fun documentary that i watched in the last couple years and that is where i learned what dune was about what to expect on screen uh the general consensus of how the david lynch film is and that is really my touchstone for dune a movie about a dune so wildly <laughs> ambitious that it never happened and so my overall opinion of this dune is that it was a nearly wholly unremarkable and dull film <laughs> that almost shocked me with how un remarkable it was uh, and I think the closest comparison that I would have to it is not Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or any other big epic uh, film uh, but Chronicles of Riddick starring Vin Diesel that is that's my opening statement Tierney go uh, so I had no idea at all what this movie was all I know is I'd been hearing you guys talk about it for about a year and a half to two years. And so I was like, oh, well, I might as well watch this. And so I watched this literally peak conditions, 
comfort of my own bed in my pajamas was like, <laughs> I guess, you know what? I'll watch this. What, what else am I doing? Quick, quick sidebar. On my uh, Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> would you have seen Dune? Like, I'm sure you probably would have gotten around to it eventually, but like, if not for the day and date HBO Max release thing that they're doing because of COVID, would you have seen Dune? Like Certainly in the near-ish future, I might have would I might have seen it in uh, I might have seen it in theaters, but I would not have seen it this weekend. No. Okay, that was what I figured. Um, I was just curious. But yeah, so I had like no relationship at all with this movie, and uh, didn't like visually as Villeneuve movies are. It was beautiful and like. Every shot is gorgeous, but it's, like, I just had a lot of problems with the storytelling, and in particular, some of the dialogue, namely, deliver- I had a lot of problems with Timothy Chalamet, also known as Tim Cham, and he was incredibly <laughs> frustrating to watch, <laughs> uh, and I truly am baffled by him in general. Um, because he seems like to just Paul play Atreides the same. or, oh, okay. Sorry. No, he plays the same character. He's basically playing his character from Lady Bird in this movie. And, but mm. worse, mm-hmm. but, but mm. worse. And so I, that was my main thing was just like him. Uh, but then like the pacing, I just, I don't know. I had some problems with, I don't, I don't know the story. May, it might've been better if I knew the book, but I was like, it's really slow moving. <laughs> My God. To the point where I was like, I like kept looking at my phone to be like, God, how long has it been? Like I'm bored, (laughs) which is insane because normally with like sci-fi stuff, you have like lots going on and it's like, oh, this is like world building. But I was like, this isn't really building a world. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I was like, what's happening? (laughs) Anyway, those are my thoughts. I, I don't want to jump deep too dive far. into Tim Jam if <laughs> yeah. we're ready to go there. I will say, and I don't want to jump too far ahead into like the end of the movie. But when the movie ended, I was like, "No, <laughs> nothing's happened. Nothing has happened." What the How fuck do you mean nothing over? has happened? Nothing happened. Nothing. The okay. First all right. Turning point. Spoilers, everyone. Uh, half the first, of the cast died. You can't say that nothing happened in this cares. movie because half but they of the also cast died. died. <laughs> they died like nothing. They died like like a slasher film required body count with no emotional stakes. With Oscar no Isaac's real story good. arcs. That was good, but also <clears throat> he didn't even kill end. that guy though. To what end? To what end was anything happening? But I was shocked that that final scene was the final scene because i was like wait a minute you haven't you haven't gone anywhere we haven't really done anything in the entire second act with the fucking lead character paul Atreides. we've done nothing but <laughs> walked on sand from sand to sand moving from place to place i was shocked that that's when it ended. I forgot uh, to say in my introduction there, which I know you guys know because I've texted, that the best part of this movie is in fact sand. <laughs> I thought that was maybe one of the least exciting aspects to me personally. And uh, I maybe have mentioned this on the podcast before, but I don't like the setting of jungles 
I find them incredibly boring, and I don't like looking at jungles in movies. There's not a and jungle. I was going to say. I also learned in this movie, <laughs> I really don't like the desert. I think the desert is maybe <clears throat> the least interesting cinematic environment out there. I find I found this movie oppressively dull, and it was primarily <laughs> because of how much fucking sand there is. It's just the same color, endless amounts of it, and even the drugs look like more sand. Like, it's it was truly so unexciting to look at. <laughs> My god. <laughs> I, wa- I want to never go to a desert <coughs> planet in a sci-fi film again. I think we've had enough. All other sci-fi movies from here on out, no deserts allowed, at Sand least they is... actually did stuff with the desert, though. Normally it's just like, oh, this is just where Luke Skywalker lives. Sure. Whereas this is like the fact that there's like the desert is alive in this one. But I thought mm-hmm. like even just in terms of like CGI, I feel like sand is very similar to water in the sense that it's hard to do and it's done very well mm-hmm. in this. Um, but anyway... I, I guess, also yeah, love that sand. Always, <laughs> that's so weird because you're such a water girl. Yeah, because what? Well, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, but, <laughs> but sand's also in the desert. Yeah, but if it, I don't know, I just like sand because it has positive yeah. connotations for me. I guess it's related to water. You find sand next to water. That's true. Okay, fine. Well, and also we, let's not let's not forget that sand is coarse. It gets everywhere. Um, the other things that he says that I'm blanking on at the moment, but... I did think of Anakin a lot in this movie, and was like, I am Anakin now. I hate sand. I hate sand. Um, I love sand. Let's get into into T-Shams, because Tierney, I want to hear your thoughts on Timothy Chalamet in general. I was going to say, let's... Timothy Chalamet in this film. Let's start in general. I started watching this movie, I started to write these things down, because I was going to talk about it at the end of the episode so i have it's very stream of conscious um but yeah so my my problem with i guess problem is like seems a bit aggressive but my thing with timothy chalamet in general is just that i feel like he always plays the same character and he always looks exactly the same but in different outfits and like (laughs) everyone seems to like praise him for basically playing the same person over and over again and i just don't get it i don't get him and why everybody loves him because he's not that great <laughs> in my opinion <laughs> i was gonna say wow. i'm gonna go ahead and disagree with you there i i will agree that like a lot of his characters are like seem similar um and especially the fact that like he always has the exact same haircut so like to your point where he like uh-huh. looks the same just has different costumes on is like a hundred percent accurate like most actors and actresses will do something different like they'll have a different haircut or they'll you know like they'll have a beard in one movie or you know there's like physical changes that they make um whereas he literally always like he's like gangly skinny has those like long curly locks and like, like that's it. So, so I, I, my, I agree with all of that. My thing is that he's clearly a teen heartthrob, and I think that the only reason he's been casting things is because you know that this this horde of girls is going to come see the movie. 
But the thing is that you look at other people who have been in that same category, like Leonardo DiCaprio, had way more range at his age or younger than Timothy Chalamet has. And so that's where I'm like, I feel like he's he's coasting on his looks and less on his talent. I don't think you're wrong in part of your assessment. I do think that like he has not... I don't think he's quite shown range but i don't know if that's necessarily because of like i just he i I feel like it's the roles that he's chosen do not give him a lot of range whereas like i feel like leonardo dicaprio is a person who specifically seeks out roles that allow him to show range whereas timothy chalamet does not so far seem to be doing that but a couple of Uh, a couple of thoughts on that um isn't that a sign of growth, though? I'm not. I'm not and saying not that that's coasting like, on your laurels. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I was saying I disagree with you saying like he's coasting on his good looks. I don't because I think he is talented. I think he is talented at the thing that he does. Now, would it be mm-hmm. cool if he ex- he expounded upon that? Sure, yes, but that doesn't mean that he's not talented at the the one thing he's doing. He wasn't for me in this one. I rolled I my eyes that- at almost every line of dialogue he had. I think I could probably agree with in this one only because we're so off world. But I, I also want to get back to what you were going to say, Colin. Sorry. But I do want to say, like, I think the, the, the authenticity of Timothy Chalamet is what makes Timothy Chalamet a good actor. Specifically, like, in this movie, when he's feeling the pain with his hand in the box, that is no. his type of acting where it's like reacting in a way that does seem genuine for how somebody would feel in that moment i could not disagree more i watched that and was like this person is not in pain this person is not in tremendous pain because if he was he would not be behaving this way that was probably the the moment where i was just like i'm done with him in this movie well what do you mean he would not be behaving this way it just looked like he had taken a couple acting classes and was like, this is how you are in pain. Towards well, like, would, no, you, no, no, no. Que- what would you expect him to look like? like what his would breathing you- would be faster, for starters. He was just scrunching up his face. So well, keep, in mind, keep, in mind, keep in mind that he has been, his entire life, that character has grown up and he's been taught the way of the Bene Gesserit from his mother. And, like, their whole thing is, like, keeping your shit in check mm-hmm. and, like, not being, not letting fear get to you. And so I think... I thought of that in the thing, but the, the thing is your breathing is an involuntary response to pain. Scrunching your face is voluntary. You can be in pain and not... Like, that's your, your body's response to pain is, like, an increased breath versus, like... I thought like, the noises... Like, I thought the noises he was making were the genuine thing of just like, uh, uh, well, like especially it's not because he, like he not like attractive when he screamed and she was like, she, she told him to be quiet. So like he, like yeah. he couldn't scream, which would be a normal reaction in like, if you were in a tremendous amount of pain, you would be screaming. You also would be pulling your hand out of like you wouldn't just be sitting there letting it continue to be painful. So like this whole scenario is not a normal. Was situation. he actually trying to pull his hand out? No, no, no he, he can't. He can't. Then he would quit. Yeah, the test. I didn't think so. 
Right. I'm just saying, like, all of those things that you would expect a person to do. If, like, if I touch my hand to the hot stove, I don't just keep it sitting there and be like, yeah, this fucking rules. I take, I pull it away. That's the natural reaction, right? So, like, but to your you point. But have you ever hurt yourself and had to be completely quiet? Like, have you ever been in pain and not and been not able to make a noise because you tend to breathe very heavily. <laughs> it seems I can see that. And, and you do that to like try and regulate yourself. And so like, yeah, I get the other stuff of like, he can't take his hand out and that's, I don't know. It was just like, this doesn't, I don't believe this for a second. And then it could be even something like he isn't that old. He might not have experienced something like this, but I was just like, I don't know. It really, that one in particular, I was just like, Nope, not even believable for a second. <laughs> I think I think it's interesting to in the context of like genuine physical pain versus emotional pain, and that Timothy Chalamet equates the two as the same in how he performs them because the like little gestures that he made of like ah that hurts like his little like reactions are almost identical to the type of wincing and like. Uh, emotional pain that is like very evocative and like uh good when he does it in other movies of like beautiful boy or uh call me by your name when he's like emotionally tormented it's these like little gesture like facial tics and gestures that seem very genuine and realistic but i think if we want to put timothy chalamet in terms of what is a drama film which is what he's typically done and what is a blockbuster and an action sci-fi movie and what does it take to get across uh what is necessary in both of those moments it may not be the same thing i'm i would say timothy chalamet is a good actor and i think it's for those moments of drama where it's a believable wince but i will also say to Tierney's credit, like, physical pain. I think in this particular scene, it's hard to know, like... I assumed uh, it was both. Right, and, like, how he would react if he has to, like, withhold it. Does that change some of the performance <clears throat> and how the character comes off? But I also think, like, in general, he doesn't seem like an action star in this. No. And he's not believable in more than, like, this kind of wafy, elvish, like, mystical being and i think it's a weird thing to have somebody like tom holland is like built even though he's this kind of small high school looking guy timothy chalamet is wispy and like very thin and when he's like jumping around in his suit in that vision i was like this is straight up not timothy chalamet in that suit even if like visually it's like cgi it's also like the body of this armor does not look like Timothy Chalamet, and I don't believe that Timothy Chalamet can do this. <laughs> Watching which I him think fight is, was pretty funny. <laughs> he's like fast, but he's also so like. But it's not. You like, can to your point. Yeah, he's not a blockbuster actor. He doesn't. It's clearly like you look at it and you're like, this is. They're just doing stage combat. They're not fighting. So it's like you look at a James Bond movie and you can like it looks real enough to be like, wow, they're fighting. Whereas this is like, oh, it's just Timothy Chalamet playing with a sword and, like, clearly hesitating right before he makes contact. Well, he should play Peter Pan. Anyway, what you're going to say? Well, I was just going to say, I think 
I don't necessarily disagree with either of your, like, what you're saying, but some important context, which might be why it worked a little better for me than it did for you, is, like, yes, this is a blockbuster because Warner Brothers and Legendary spent $170 million to make it, but, like, Dune, the novel, the, like, IP property is, like, not blockbuster. It is literally, and granted, I don't read nearly as often as Listener, as Tierney, as most other people, but Dune is by far the densest novel I have ever read in my entire life. It is extremely heady. It is extremely slowly paced. It is not a traditional blockbuster. So yes, this movie is a blockbuster by conventional standards because studios put a shitload of money into it. But like Paul, like his portrayal of Paul is very accurate to how Paul is portrayed in the book. Now, that may not necessarily be what we traditionally think of as a blockbuster star, but I don't necessarily think that that's what he or Denis were going for in this role. So yeah. it didn't bother me because that's not what the point of that role is. So again, yeah. I'm not saying that you guys are wrong because what, like, what you're saying, and if you're approaching it with that lens, that's accurate. But again, with but the he, context, I, I, like, it didn't bother me at all because I felt like it was a good portrayal of what I had read in the book. In terms of, I mean, I haven't read the book, but he doesn't really fit into any sort of genre the way he portrays this because even the drama moments are kind of like, what? I don't know. I had a lot of problems with his, his characters, probably my main, <laughs> main complaints, but even like... I mean, when he hugs, like, Duncan, I'm like, that... I want a compilation of... It, it was worse than the Malfoy-Voldemort hug from Harry Potter. It was awful. I wanted yeah. to <laughs> leap out of my body anytime he <laughs> hugged anyone else in this movie. Here's the thing. I, uh, if we want to slightly move off course... Okay. Uh, my, I, one of my biggest... I, I think one of the biggest weaknesses of this movie is Jason Momoa hands down period <laughs> i think he's genuinely and i am willing to say this on this podcast not a good actor and i think <laughs> that like smirk that he perpetually has on every character he does except for Khal drogo i think he does Khal drogo <clears throat> great i think everything else this like kind of like uh, i'm having fun is this uh, is this sexy is incredibly annoying uh i didn't believe him at literally any moment of this movie, <laughs> at no point did I stop thinking, this is Jason Momoa. All I thought when he was on screen was, this is Jason Momoa, who is not an actor, but is an attractive person who is on screen in movies now. Every scene, the fact that he's named Duncan Idaho is totally appropriate for how much I take that character and that actor seriously. It's just like... There is nothing... He did have a very, like, normal name. <laughs> a crazy name. I mean, if we want to go into the names of this movie, of things that I well, have problems okay. with, again, you certainly again, can. I just want to... Make... I also don't care. I know. Here's a... Okay, I know. you want to get to my big takeaway? <laughs> I think, is the story of Dune good? That's my <laughs> real takeaway from this movie, Damn. was, is this even a property that is worth fandom? Unless it's just the book, and you love a super dense richly created complicated sci-fi world 
but does this ever need to be adapted to film when it's this empty of real story or escalation and it's all like conceptual layout of like everything is told to you before it happens and the satisfaction is from watching it happen as you have been told it will happen and is that anything we need or i need more specifically is this anything i need to even get involved with in any of my interest and the answer that I came away with was no i don't i don't think i care about dune as a fandom i like don't have interest in this world almost at all duncan idaho lady jessica is this fucking mr rogers neighborhood like what well, are these names let's let's talk about how luke is a pretty wild and out there name skywalker's fun though uh, i mean i just thought of uh... <laughs> skywalker like luke skywalker compared to duncan idaho yes is more like has more flair to it but like a character in a space opera named luke skywalker is not like oh my god that's the most ingenious thing anybody's ever thought of paul Okay, I have a, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I have, like clearly George Lucas was influenced by this, and Star Wars is one of your, like, you, Matt Fox, one of your key touch points in all of your cult, like, your pop culture right. loves. But so, I'll like, also so say, I've I, realized I'm not in saying that you years, should. I'm not saying I that think you Star should. Wars are bad movies too. <laughs> I'm gonna take them all out. <laughs> I'm gonna say, like, I'm not saying that you should love Dune because Dune inspired Star Wars and you love Star Wars, but I'm just saying, like. Star Wars is silly in the same way that a lot of Dune is silly. Right. But this movie had no sense of humor. Tyranny, what were you going to (laughs) say? Two things. One, based on what you were saying in terms of, like, empty, it's interesting that the person who has the most emotion in the whole story is one of the Bene Gesserit. It's Lady Jessica shows the most emotion in the entire movie. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I don't really buy the not showing pain bit Mm -hmm. in the box is because that doesn't fit with the rest of the world which is created that is a change that they made for the movie interesting the and character so is her... the character does not have that much emotion in the book but they changed it because most of the female characters in the book are nothing and so they changed it to give the character more of something to do and so like jessica's whole thing is that like she is a bene Gesserit. she is supposed to be following the bene Gesserit way but then she falls in love. Like, she was just supposed to, like, breed. Like, she was part of the Bene Gesserit breeding program. She was just supposed to create another life with Leto, with Oscar Isaac's character. And because she fell in love with him, she went against the Bene Gesserit way. She was only supposed to produce a daughter. She ended up giving him a son. And mm-hmm. now, she like, she is emotionally invested in her son because she has fallen in... Like, so... Again, that is a change for the movie from the okay. book. And it so when they call her a consort, when they call her a consort, they mean consort. She's yeah. really not royalty at all. No. She, I mean, she, yeah. Like, she, in the book, she is regularly described as Leto's um, concubine, like his mistress. Like, Which is weird. I think that, and I think this is inherently the problem I have with the movie, is that, like, we don't explore any of the relationships between the characters and who they are to each other in the way that it is told to us the stakes are existing so like we know that the atreides are up against the harkonnens 
but we really never see them interact until everything's going to shit. We also barely see it happen then because obviously it's they're not talking really in that scene. And we don't really see like the social class difference between Lady Jessica and how other people treat her. We don't even we don't even get any sort of like relationship between Tim Cham and Oscar Isaac. And so that's part of where I like that's where I mean Tim Sham can only do so much with the script but that's like where I'm like other than a hug like is he resentful of his father does he love his father like those are when you typically follow a a heir to a throne those are the things that are discussed and it's just like completely not there yeah like Lion King you watch like Mufasa and Simba like roll around and play and you're like oh this is a very solid bond and in this one he's like you'll still be the only thing that's ever mattered to me my son literally an and you're like it seems like he's proud I mean but it's also like an heir to the throne like that's it is the joy of like he's a good dad and that's why his death means more I was shocked by how unemotional T-Sham was when they realized like that his dad is. Gone. Yeah, this is what Literally I'm talking about. Nothing. Where I was like, wait a minute, what are we doing here? This is like this should be a major moment of like realizing what this means, and like, even if you've been told to be unemotional, being alone with your mom, that's a scene where you can add emotion to be like, and now they're just like alone together. But instead, we just get like a weird tent scene. Of both of them, like, just, like, being there. Which I felt like most of the movie was just, like, being where they were. Everyone was just kind of where they were, and that was the story of the time. It's that it's Peter just that Sellers there, movie, Being went. There. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dune being there. Um, but I think... Instead, oh, and, no, no, I have really nothing else to say. I was just going to ramble. Uh, I think that my overall, like... I know we dove pretty much straight into Tim Jam, but I think my overall thing with this movie is the why part, which I think is kind of what you were talking about, mm-hmm. Matt, which is, and this is has to do with, I haven't wa- like watched or read a lot of sci-fi. I've read a fair bit of like fantasy um, growing up and that sort of thing. But uh, like in classes that I've taken, sci-fi has always been presented as like an option to talk about current problems, current events, in a way that you can be very specific about a certain cause or situation and you can take a side and it's abstract and it's a new way to look at it. And it's a very, I think it's a really interesting like part of sci-fi is you build this world where it's completely different, but then you still have themes that are similar to our own, which is what makes it relevant. And my problem with this movie is that I couldn't figure out what that was. And I thought for a minute it was, environmental like mining or pillaging of the earth but it was never explored other than the fact that like the only thing i can think of is that a a place has resources and it's just continuously occupied over and over but there's no commentary on it it was just like this is something that happens and i'm like a pirate movie does the same thing but like the point like i always look at sci-fi is like you have if you were to take like the mining and the spices you can you can have a theme or an angle that you can't do if it's set on earth that wasn't done here. And I don't know if that's done in the books, but that was probably my biggest thing was I was just like, why, (laughs) why to all of this? Yeah. I think part of that too is like, 
I think it is the occupation. Like, the closest comparison that I could put was, like, oh, this is almost yeah. exactly, like, the Middle East and imperialistic forces coming in to mine their resources and abandon the people. But, like, there's also so few scenes of, like, one, the Harkonnens and the Atreides ever actually, like, conversing or having a moment where, like, they're in front of the Empire and have to, like, cross paths and people are like, oh, that's the two families, oh... Where, like, he has to pass off something. All of this, again, probably not in the book. And, like, I don't know really what's in the book. But, like, the fact that visually all we get is, like, we are going to go to this new planet and do the resources. And the Harkonnens used to be here. And then we go to the Harkonnens and they're like, we would like to be there again. This used to be the place where we did all of our stuff. And then later on, they clash. But, like, we don't see the vitriolic, like, leftover. Like, the way that they refer to, like, oh, they didn't leave us anything any good resources they like took everything away and now we're just left with with whatever crap they abandoned here you don't even see the station yeah it's just kind of like nothing and also like if this was about like this rich vibrant culture in this area and the imperialistic forces that have continued to like aggress against it we like barely see those people we barely go to those places we see Javier Bardem come for one meeting to the city that is also kind of nondescript where it's like, who are the people that are uh, like behind those cages? What does the city look like? Is there like a marketplace? It's just kind of like people in hallways and then other people in different hallways and then later on underground hallways that barely anybody is here. The whole movie just feels like literally empty. It feels like when the city blows up, you're like, I mean, who even lived here? Like, what? What? who occupied the city that we're watching explode? What does it matter? And, like, there are comparisons to Game of Thrones as far as, like, these houses and this, like, political intrigue. But, like, when the Red Wedding happens, it's, like, a very visceral, like, oh, God. And even just, like, soldiers getting slaughtered is still, like, oh, this is pretty awful. And this one, it's, like, this is sad because I know that this place is not supposed to be blown up. But, like what who lives here who what are we even watching really and what's the emotional stakes of this and like what's left if this one outpost got blown up is there anyone left on the planet yeah where does everyone live and like (laughs) because everyone has to be underground in sand dunes it's like oh what a great visual of a vibrant city it's just a bunch of underground caves and more dust colored well they could be a cool angle and that's where like if if the first people came and they found like the spice and then they never went further to get water like that must have had an effect on the fremen people why is that never talked about did people die because there wasn't water did they have to then invent the soup because they like that's where it's like there's it needs to go like a step further to be like why <laughs> But Colin looks like he's been trying to talk for like no, no, I, I don't. I, no, no, I'm just like I'm taking this all in because a lot of what you guys are yeah. saying <laughs> is in the book. It, I was gonna say it's it's unfair, but I and I think that's a different criticism that we can have a conversation around. A lot of what you guys are saying, if and when part two gets made and released, I think we'll address a lot of your concerns. <laughs> oh, there is a part two. And here's the. Well, well I was going to say, so, so, yeah, so I was going to say, that's a different conversation, so we can keep talking about this particular movie, and that, like, I I'm happy to, I'm, 
I, that's fine. I'm happy to keep talking about it. But a lot of what you guys are saying, I think, is stuff that will be addressed in a because this is very much and like Denis has been very vocal about that. Like he, like in his very first pitch meetings, he was like, "I will do this, but only if we split it up into two. Like I will not try and tell this entire story in one movie." There and so this very continued. much is. Why? Well, yeah, I know. It starts with Dune Part One, so it's yeah. like the title card that. literally says Part One. So. It does say Part One. Oh no, I do and remember I that. Like, I thought Part Two. I like have forgotten it by the time the end oh. came around. Yeah, no. I thought so this like is, the movie was going to be in two parts, like a Tarantino movie. This is literally half the story. Okay. Like the the end part that Matt is very against which again is a different conversation i think it's i think it's i think it's a fair conversation to have but like the ending that matt is complaining about is literally at the halfway point of the book and i texted you this matt i told you this last year when i was earlier this year when i was reading the book i was like it's really weird that they're making zendaya such a huge part of the marketing for this movie because she does not show up in the book until halfway through like at all like she and i like yeah so again i i preface this to you matt like not that you necessarily remember and not that it necessarily makes this a better movie but i did preface it to you like three or four months ago being like yo this is weird that like (laughs) they're only telling half the story i didn't even know it was based on a book until after i watched the movie oh wow (laughs) many books too i mean yeah, oh. so the series has continued after the author died, and now his kids are writing it, and it's like it gets I think fucked, <laughs> like it's, it's that's, so think, weird. <laughs> and this is my problem with it, though, is that like okay, if we want to just talk about the idea of adapting something, and we could talk about it in terms of this being part one and this not really feeling like a full movie. Which like I had problems with the fucking Hobbit when they were like, and oh, I never uh, watched two and three. Cliffhanger, and that's coming yeah, from someone who loves Joke and Rogue and Rogue and Token. And God bless the you. Hobbit, the so Hobbit, I think is a better book than all three Lord of the Rings. I like the Hobbit best, and I saw one Hobbit and was like, <laughs> it said to be continued, and I said, what the fuck is this? <laughs> And I have not seen a single <laughs> Hobbit since then. Yeah, the second one has even a worse ending because there's three different stories that are all about to climax Ugh. and none of them resolve. And you're like, how dare you? I remember Who looking you at my are? watch and being like, damn, they haven't even got to the dragon yet. <laughs> yeah, nah. Okay, so, so um, quick sidebar related because okay. it, it always brings me joy whenever I think about this. So I, because I am weird and annoying and like obsessively follow all this stuff i knew that the hobbit movies were going to be at least two parts if not three and my roommate at the time this is before we all lived together did not know that (laughs) and i I could have sworn i mentioned it to him but apparently i either didn't mention it to him or he totally forgot but we went and saw the movies together and the first one ended and he was like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) and i think at that point it hadn't been confirmed that it was going to be three parts like it was definitely going to be two but it hadn't been confirmed that it was going to be the three and so i was like oh yeah like i knew that sorry uh and then it got confirmed that it was going to be three parts 
he also missed the memo on that one. <laughs> so the second oh, no. one ended and he was like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, oops. <laughs> how did Oh, that... <laughs> that is kind of how I felt at the end of this one, even though I knew there was a second part that was eventually going to happen. I was, probably. See, I, in my cynical little brain, also I should probably have preferenced this whole podcast where I was a little bit grumpy this weekend, so all of that Tim Jim stuff is to be taken a little bit with a grain of salt. But I do think that he gets a lot of hype just based on his looks. and You're not the only one. I, so. Okay, because I was like, man, I was a little bit mean. But it's also like, he seems to be doing great. <laughs> yeah. I'm just he a person. He is doing fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's living the life. But it's more just uh, like, I would like to see something different. And, I, like, and I, like I said, growth. I think that's totally fair. I think that's totally fair. And then once I dig in, I can get I can get mean. So sorry, Tim Cham, if you're listening. Uh, if you're our one listener. If you are this week's listener. And you've stuck around uh, this far for the apology I like after the I idea. just eviscerated you in the first 15 minutes. Thank you so much for listening, T. Sham. We so much appreciate it. And also, I, did I like the idea that we have that one listener that just is a different person each time. And eventually it's Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I love this podcast. <laughs> one thing one thing that I thought was interesting though is that uh Hollywood seems to have aged Oscar Isaac faster than it does most people and I'm wondering how much of that is just because he doesn't dye his hair. Ah. Uh, oh, prob- oh that's interesting. I think it's probably that. I think it's also cuz he's got peak daddy vibes. The way that uh Tom that uh Tim Chalamet talking about Zendaya and Tom Holland was peak best. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, Oscar Isaac is peak daddy vibes, and that's why they're like, just make him a dad. And he's like, I'm only 34, and like, just make him he's a dad. 42. He's 42. And Tim, but he's Timothy Chalamet is 25, and so like, I mean, they, yeah. he could be his dad, but I'm like, that's not usually how Hollywood rolls. Like, Hollywood's normally like, the person's 60 and is a father to a 25-year-old. Um, and yeah. so I was like, this seems a little bit unfair that they've aged him basically the way a woman ages in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, how dare they treat him like that? <laughs> but I wondered if it was but just because do... he doesn't dye his He doesn't seem to dye his hair. He's got big Ruffalo vibes where, like, mm. Ruffalo feels like he was always a dad even when he was younger. And now it's like Oscar Isaac is, like, in his 40s and has been a dad it seems like for a while. Has he? I don't know. Maybe not. I don't see him that way. <laughs> Poe Dameron's not a daddy. He's kind of a daddy. Who's Poe Dameron? From Star Wars. From Star Wars. Oh, his character in Star Wars. <laughs> Somehow, the Emperor's back. Which is also, also kind of how parts of this movie felt for me. Um... Oh, I was going to say adapting, though. Like, uh, if we're going to talk about adapting, like, Yodorovsky's Dune was a bonkers idea and, like, probably wasn't going to be a good movie, but ambitious as fuck with, like, Mick Jagger doing the music and, like, Orson Welles as Baron Harkonnen and, like, the whole story of, like, him going to find Orson Welles at a restaurant and seeing Orson Welles drinking six bottles of wine and just eating pasta <laughs> after pasta and being he ta- he's like I talk to the chef and I say what is his favorite wine and I say send him that wine and I go over and I talk to him 
and I say, come do this movie. And he says, I don't want to anymore. And I say, you, um, you come to the set, I will hire the chef and he will cook for you every day like you eat here. And Orson Welles says, I will do this movie. And like, that is better than Dune this movie. Like, the idea that Orson Welles was going to be this anti-gravity, like, uh, Harkonnen, just like, big dude, but that on set he was just going to be eating pasta after pasta and drinking wine is like, that's what I want to see in the movie. I want to see, like, a drunk Orson Welles. Like, blah, 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 just like vomiting words. And then this one, we like never really see. And spaghetti. And spaghetti. But it looks so boring in this movie. Like, Baron Harkonnen just looks like a pale wow. potato. He wasn't scary enough, I felt. Okay. No. I also didn't know that he had anti gravity anything. Me neither. I thought he was really tall. I, co- I couldn't figure out what the fuck was happening. I was like, is he tall sometimes? And then I was like, he seems pretty short in this scene. It was and only when he was I on the ceiling. <laughs> Yeah, he flies. Somebody, yeah. And then, were you the one who just sent that tweet about the Walmart balloon that gets stuck in the ceiling? Oh, no, I think that was Joel. <laughs> Which is funny. He did remember that. But yeah, I didn't find him that disgusting in this. I found him just kind of plain. So if you like, want a... Dis- penguins gross. If you want a disgusting Baron Harkonnen, watch the 84 Dune. Mm. I, but I don't, I don't like that. I, I, like, not, not for, like, it's I just wanted him a really little more upsetting. sinister. I mm-hmm. thought that this version of Baron Harkonnen was significantly better. Because, I like, the Harkonnens are supposed to be terrifying. And... They're just bald! Well, yeah, which makes it hard to tell who's just who. Bald. They're all bald. <laughs> so many just bald. I couldn't... Very I, I thought, I thought, I thought that... Baron is his name was the same as the dude from uh uh the Groot superhero movie what is what is that called again? Dave Bautista. That yeah. is, that's the no. yeah. his like lieutenant. So Baron Harkonnen. I thought they were the same person. But but like visually <laughs> because they're both like bald white dudes that I was like these are the same actors. This is the yeah, same it character. Is, it is the same actor. Stellan Skarsgård is the potato. Stellan and, <laughs> and Dave Bautista is white. Is uh, his nephew, and is like the yeah, leader. The leader of the boot. He's the boots on the ground guy. I thought they were one character until halfway through the movie. <laughs> I don't think you were really paying attention because they talk. They, yeah, I was gonna say they have so they share scenes together. Yeah, but he's <laughs> like shrouded in like fog, and so I was like, maybe it's like. Maybe maybe one of the ones like the Star Wars giant CGI guy. One of them is not shrouded in fog. One of them is fully wearing clothes, and the other one's in fog. They're two different people. I thought it was like Kylo Ren and that cloud that he talks to. That's like nine hundred feet tall. I thought it was like the same. Oh, wait! But how? (laughs) Why would he be speaking to himself? I just. That's what I still don't understand. Villains are always talking to himself, so I thought it was like. Like a projection of himself, but bigger. He looked like a That's ghost. That's such a. I know that. I mean, visually, I can one hundred percent agree that everyone, all the villains, are just the same bald, marbly white head. But all the all the, the villains who are related, thought, all the villains who are related and are part of the same family, look the same. Wild! Holy yeah, shit! Like, That's him, so crazy. Are you kidding me? Give him tattoos or something. This movie lacked imagination. Uh, but the idea Savage. that like. Yeah, I think the idea that 
you thought Dave Bautista was speaking to a big projection of his internal self <laughs> is wild. <laughs> and also probably would have been cooler if, like, somebody visualized and talked to themselves that look different, kind of. <laughs> and like Smeagol and Gollum, if like Gollum talked to a projection of a big Smeagol, that is a crazy concept, and I also think very funny. <laughs> and I, I wish it was that wild of a I'm concept. I basically just discredited all of my critiques with, <laughs> with, with how much I know about sci-fi. <laughs> Yeah, nothing is subjective or, like, uh, subtle in sci-fi. Like, nothing else is really happening than exactly what you're seeing, because that's the is spectacle that the, enough. Is that always the case? Rarely. I mean, visions and, like, uh, fantasy things are always, like, told explicitly to be fantasy and stuff like that. Like, when... I mean, Wait, I guess then what's there the... are points in Star Wars where he... Okay, so uh, this is also going to make me sound like a moron. <laughs> 2001, A Space Odyssey. I recently found out that the whole thing was aliens. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was a metaphor <laughs> and that the giant monolith was about tools <laughs> and, oh, and human progression. Oh, Tyranny. <laughs> And that could never make sense of the end. <laughs> okay, wait. Tyranny, wait a minute. It can, it can symbolically mean that, but the story is about aliens. But when, it's only the beginning and the end. There's no aliens in the middle of it. Well, right, but it's just the progression. Like, the black monolith is like something gave us evolution and then we go and is it and just the presence thing. of the monolith maybe like that's the vague thing is like something dropped this off for us and i've always been like what we... the fuck is this ending and i've been like maybe it's just like death and aging but anyway yeah. well that just goes well, to show that sci-fi is i guess exactly <laughs> what you see and i'm over yeah, here trying kinda. to analyze it <laughs> Yeah, and this kind of exactly what I see. I mean, symbolically, it means a lot more. And, like, the fountain, there are theories that the entire, like, space bubble storyline of the fountain is just a visualization of Survivor's Guild, which is an interesting concept. But, and in that movie where it's a I lot more symbolic. I remember the fountain being sci-fi. I mean, a third of it is. A third of it is Conquistador uh, South America, and then a third of it is a modern-day Doctor. We're talking about my favorite movie. Yeah, I remember so. the modern day Doctor. Don't remember about the Conquistadors. Wow. What? Tyranny, that's a third, a third of the movie. What the, the fuck? The Doctor part is maybe the least visually interesting part of the entire movie. I mean, I saw it a, whole a space long bubble. time ago. You know what? Okay. Clearly this podcast is that I need emotions and I need interpersonal <laughs> connections to make a movie. Or I need fights. And... <laughs> Yeah. Like I didn't get any of those. Com- you, need, you need compelling fights with actors that you believe are fighting. Because <laughs> you've yes. got fights or, in this movie. Just not compelling or, fights. Or like uh, interpersonal moments that give us meaning on Earth. And <laughs> you can do that in sci-fi. You can do that in any genre. But that's clearly just that's what I need. 
I'm real. I'm, okay, so here's what I'm going to propose. We've talked a lot about our issues with the movie. Colin, I would like <laughs> you to take the floor to share what you found incredibly compelling, powerful, some of your highlights. The way, like, I could pinpoint Last Jedi and be like, the moment that that Star Destroyer flies, or that ship flies through the fleet of Star Destroyers, like, blew my brain into little baby bits, and I was like, oh my god, this is everything I want. I had zero moments of like like that in this movie, and so I would like to hear your moments that filled you with one. Okay, so, yes. But before I get that, I want to circle back for listener. <clears throat> the tweet that Matt was referencing 10 to 15 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, thinking about that part in Dune when a certain someone floated up into the ceiling like a birthday balloon at Walmart, and I'm wrapped with <laughs> laughter. And then there's a follow-up tweet with a picture of a balloon like in the rafters of a building that says, God is ass. Oop. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so that's that's that. Um, so, to your question, nothing, nothing in this movie came close to that moment that you're talking about in the Last Jedi. And to be perfectly honest, I don't know if anything ever will, because that was like truly, <laughs> and like I, I don't know if I've like been on record on this podcast but I've definitely been on record with like anybody who will listen to me talk about it. I have some serious problems with the last Jedi, but like there were parts like the highs of the last Jedi are some of the highest highs of any movie I've ever seen. Like that sequence that you were talking about was one of the coolest movie theater experiences I've ever had. Cause I was just like, you, what? Like, yeah. You you could do this. This has been on the table the whole time. Like what the fuck? We talked about how <clears throat> Carrie Fisher should have been the one piloting the plane, and then Lorna Dune could have. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. What a great point. More. We just could have had Lorna Dune in a well, in another Star Wars. Well, I think like it, a great way for her to for Princess Leia yeah. to go out to be like, now I'm gonna save all these people. If only they knew. I was going to say, it's that. it's so hard to play that game, you know? Like, it, it is obviously... Did she die in that same movie? No. no. Oh. And she Car- didn't die until oh, after Car- the movie was done filming. Carrie Fisher passed away after they had wrapped The Last Jedi, but before... I thought she died in the same movie. No. And no. She becomes away. a space ghost. Yeah, she floats away in the third one because nothing happens in the third one that makes any sense when it's supposed to happen. I was going to say, it's unfair to play this game, but... Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. Knowing what we know now, yeah, it would have been fucking awesome. That was my if... bad. I thought that she died just later on in that movie. No, 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 no. Luke died at the end of that movie. Oh, <laughs> that's it. Okay, never mind. Disregard. Mm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, to your question about this movie, I just... I thought that this was like a visually stunning movie, not in the way that not in the way it's very much not in the way that Blade Runner 2049 is visually stunning. Mm, Um, And my opinions on Blade Runner 2049 are very, very well known, including to the people who heard the first part of this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) And so part of it, like I was going into this movie with some sense of hesitancy because I basically loved every villainy movie I've watched until Blade Runner 2049, and I was super hype about that movie, and I was wildly disappointed by that movie. I thought that movie was incredibly boring. 
I thought that movie had nothing happening. Like, basically all of the things that Matt hated about Dune, I hated about Blade Runner 2049. That's fun. Um, we just switched it. <laughs> with the one caveat, and most of this is Deacon's, but, like, Blade Runner 2049 looks incredible in a very different way than I think Dune looks incredible. I agree with you that, like, a barren wasteland desert scape is not a visually, like... He does a arresting. really good job. What? He does a really good job, though. Like, no, the, the lighting I, of the desert. No, no, I agree with you, Tyrion. That's what I... Like, I agree with Matt in that, like, a desert wasteland is not a terribly exciting visual landscape in the way that, like, 2049 Los Angeles neon is a visual... Like, an exciting visual landscape. But I still found Dune to look beautiful in in a again a very different way but like every single shot of that movie looked incredible to me and i think part of it is because i saw it in imax twice and then i did watch highlights a second time or third time uh at my sister's house with their 70 inch 4k tv so like i was seeing this movie in like fairly ideal scenario every single time but like to me the thing that like really stood out in addition to, like, partially this is tied in with the visuals, but just, like, the scale of this story. Like, everything was just fucking massive. Like, when that first, like, giant, like, emperor, like, in the first, like, five, ten minutes of the movie, when, like, the emperor's, like, that, like, people... Emissary. emissary, thank you. Um, Like, when they... Like, the big ball one? Yeah, like... The Wally one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, when that came down to the planet and you just, like, saw the sense of scale involved, like, that to me was just, like, astounding. And, like, I thought that cool. most that was cool. most of this movie, to me, was like that, where I was just like, holy shit. Like, everything about this movie, this it, not in a story way, but, like, in a visual way, everything about this movie is giant and grandiose. And it And it was just, like, very impressive to me. I also think I, I would have agree f- with that, just for the record. Yeah. <laughs> I did I say that visually that. it was a very impressive <laughs> movie. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that this is... I, so it's, it's really interesting for me to hear this from you guys, because I went to this movie... So I saw it on Thursday, or I saw it on Friday by myself, um, and I was texting a friend of mine who works at the movie theater... And he and I have talked about Dune before. We've both read the novel. We've both seen the David Lynch film. And so he and I both loved this movie. And then I went with a group of people on Saturday, and I was the only one who had read the novel. Nobody else had read it, but they all loved it too. So I'm very interested because I, I think a lot of your complaints, like I said, I think they are valid, but a lot of it didn't bother me because I knew the full story. And so, like, a lot of the acting choices... Like, Jason Momoa, I, 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 I get where you're coming from, Matt. But I actually really enjoyed him in this movie because I felt like, name aside, that was very accurate to the Duncan Idaho character in the novel. And, like, I thought that that was a, a, good, at, like, a good representation of the character that I had experience with. Um, and so I think a lot of this, for me, was just, like having the connection of like i read this novel it literally took me like six months to read this novel because it is just so fucking dense 
And, like, many times as I was reading it, I was like, how the fuck are they going to get this on a screen? Like, I genuinely don't understand how they can present this. Like, you know, the the old saying is that, like, Dune is an unfilmable book, right? Like, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, like, literally how? <laughs> and so I think a lot of what I came across, like, a lot of what drew me into the movie was, like, holy shit, they did it. Like, they actually did it. They took this story that, like, to, like I like Dune. I, I think it's a good novel. I think it's an interesting story. Again, I have the full context that you guys don't have, which is a little unfair, but I do like it. But I don't th- like I'm never going to reread it. Like I didn't like it that much. It's not like the type of novel so that's going to be like What you're saying is it's kind of like Matt in Infinite Jest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I I might reread that. But it did take me like it took me 3 months actually. I like had the immediate backpedal. <laughs> I'm going to I might reread I might. that. <laughs> I might, you know, I might read it. I mean, I haven't read a full book. No, I did. But I haven't really read it since, like, within that month afterward, where I was like, I can read anything. And then I read one very small book, and then I have not read something since. Because I'm illiterate listener. <laughs> no. um, anyway, but yeah, so, sorry, like, continue. I, no, no, you're fine. I think... So, yeah, I a lot of mine was just like, oh, this is really cool seeing this on screen. And in a way that, like, when I watched the David Lynch... Because I read the book first, and then I watched the David Lynch movie. And I was just like, this fucking sucks. Like, not only is this a bad adaptation, but it also just is, like, a bad movie. And so I was watching this, and I was like, holy shit. Like, I think this is a good movie with a huge, huge asterisk next to the word movie. Because... Like, yes, this is a movie in runtime and all these other things, but, like, it's not a story. It's not a complete story, right? It very much is part of a story. So I do think that we have to, like, judge this movie a little bit differently, at least until we see part two. It's helpful to know there's a part two as well. (laughs) Just for the listener out there. Not all of us knew. Who may or may not be in the same boat as Tierney. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think a lot of it was like that for me. And I, like, I did, I do agree that I think the, the first hour or so of the movie is slow, but I think a lot of that is, is necessary world building. And I, I, again, I think it's not, it's, it's not entirely fair to keep making this comparison to something that you guys don't have a touch point to, but like all of the world building in the David Lynch Dune is done in like the first five minutes in just like an info dump voiceover and that's it. And then you're just like, hopefully you caught it all. Cause we're just going to run with it. And this movie, I feel like they actually did a much better job of explaining what was going on. Now, whether or not you find that satisfying is a different question, mm-hmm. but like I found that this movie is a better version of that. I think they could have built it out more, but I found it to be pretty compelling. And so I think the first hour or so is pretty slow. But for me, basically everything after the Harkonnens invade Arrakis, like I thought all of that, up. like I thought all of that, like just moved and it didn't, to me, it didn't feel like a two and a half hour movie, it, which is the complete opposite of Blade Runner 2049. That movie's like two hours and 45 minutes. And every time I watch it, I feel like it's five hours. Like I just, I thought it was only 90 minutes. <laughs> I did think, like, in, the, in terms of a crescendo, like, the pacing of the second half of the first part of the story <laughs> is is much faster. But the And I think my problem is, in terms of world building, a lot of that, typically, from what sci-fi I've seen, is you're setting up a theme. 
mm-hmm. that's kind of where I was like, I don't see a theme. I don't even know mm. what Paul Atreides' deal is other than he can't show emotion. So, and, yeah. And like, like who lo- people are. I don't know. It just yeah. it felt like like it was slow. Like it does pick up, but it just seemed like le- it, maybe it was just different world building, but it was just like, I don't know. Is anything building? No, I agree with that entirely. Yeah. And I think so. There's stuff that happens in the novel that like gets touched on in the movie, but is not really like a major part of the movie. So like, oh, OK, um, <clears throat> books are just always better. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> the Bible. A tr- that's a true <laughs> true tyranny take right there <laughs> but like i think so not necessarily in terms of like a theme but i do think like a lot of so the whole bene Gesserit like breeding program i think is a really fascinating aspect of this story but i don't think it's really established in the movie it's hinted at in the movie and like if you want to like if you want to watch this movie a couple times you can kind of piece it together but like the whole story about how, like, like you think that this is about, like, two warring houses that hate each other, when really, really what's going on is these, like, this sect of, like, religious witch women are behind the scenes pulling the strings for everything. Like, I think that that's really fascinating. That was and it's cool. Not re- it's not really touched on in the movie. Like, it's just casually mentioned, but that's about it. Um, the, and that's why Harkonnen is taken off Arrakis? Well... So that they can get Paul there? No. So, yeah, and that's the other thing. Like, Paul isn't necessarily the Messiah figure. Like, I mean... And what is the name? The Al... The... Lisan Al-Gaib. Yeah. I did... Th- I love the names, like, Game of Thrones had, and this has, of just, like, the name of the Messiah. Yeah, so, like, the least... So that's the Fremen, like, name for their Messiah characters, the Lisan Al-Gaib. But then, like, the Bene Gesserit, their, like, their whole breeding goal, which is, a, like, a plan that's gone back centuries, is to try and breed the Kwisatz Haderach, who is, like, who is, like, the, who can, you know, see space and time, whatever. I think Charlotte Rampling says it at some point in the movie. Yeah. But, like, that's their goal. And the Bene Gesserit, like, the sect, wanted Jessica to give Leto a girl. And they were going to have that girl have a child with the Harkonnen, one of the nephews, the probably, I think it's, I don't think it's the Dave Bautista character. It's a different character that hasn't yet been introduced, but the one who Mm. played by Sting in the David Lynch version, they were going to have a kid together. And that kid was who they were thinking the Kwisatz Haderach would be. So like, in their world, Paul is not necessarily the one. And even like, um, they mentioned it. I would say Charlotte they, Rampling says that it's not. like, like we've got other ones in case he doesn't pan out. So like, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of like hinted at in this movie, but it's not really like they don't go deep in this movie, which I think is fine. I did think this. Stuff, I wanted more of that. That yeah, that's I thought because there's like a lot of obviously like especially with it being a desert, there's a lot of biblical references that are interesting, and I thought. Uh, the concept of fate and free will was interesting, but again, it was like I don't. It's not really explored other than just like these are things that are going to happen. Yeah, and it would have been interesting to use the voice as a thematic motif for the idea of free will and control. This idea that 
speaking in this voice makes people do what they don't want to do and how does that differ from fate and destiny being tied to who you are as a person and how you move through the world yeah um and because they do touch on that too of like paul atreides they, they literally say like you're both the heir to your father's like lands and you're your mother's son mm-hmm. and carry with you the Bene Gesserit's like uh, ideals and what they want to happen. So I, I do think that concept is good. And I wanted more of it. And I think overall, I found a lot of it to be like too muted mm-hmm. for like even uh, the planet that the Atreides are from is like a like a gray, rainy, kind of like muted it's world. Norway. And mm-hmm. we move from there to like bright and muted. And it's like, maybe at some point we can have some color in something. Everything is so bland, unnecessary. Well, I think... Like, uniforms don't need to be, like, the same black uniforms that we would see in Star Wars and the Empire. Or white dresses that are white. Like, everything is just kind of, like, (laughs) the blandest version of what the world could visually look like. Like, the sand doesn't even necessarily need to be yellow it could be a it could Green. look more like the way spice looks yeah or like the sandworm could have you know a little more imagination to it rather than just like big tectonic plates with this like iris of an of like a face i don't i just felt like everything was like the same way i feel about nolan movies uh for D- batman sometimes of like you've stripped away so much of the fun in sci-fi in superhero movies and have made it such like a real world that it kind of takes away why i want to watch something like this and like yeah star wars has dumb like star wipes and fucking like iris outs and like dumb weird things like that but it also adds personality to have like an opening scroll and these like very particular trademarks that like if you want to build a sci-fi empire and you want to like create this like interest in a new world do a little more than just like do exactly the same type of sci-fi movie we've seen over and over again with a bigger scale but like visually it these costumes could have been any sci-fi movie these settings could have really I been so the most sci- chronicles of riddick one chronicles <laughs> of riddick and you tell me i'm not that this isn't I, the same shit i i i'm not I don't think that you're wrong, and I'm not trying to convince you otherwise. I know. I'm sorry for No, no, it's fine. It's fine. And like I said at the beginning, like, I liked this movie. I saw it twice. and I saw it two and a half times this weekend, and I'm going to see it again. Like, I I had a good time with this movie. Nothing you guys can say is going to take that away from me. But Here's what I think is the... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think... (laughs) I just... I think, like, Dune was the one that, like started it all right like all of these mm-hmm. other sci-fi things that we're talking like all these other sci-fi touch tones or touch points are all cribbing from dune the novel not necessarily the movie the novel sure, right yeah. like so i do think i i get where you're coming from and i do think that's a fair criticism but at the same time all of these things that you're talking about that we've seen before we've seen them all because they're ripping off this thing. Now, this thing that we're talking about right now that we just saw in theaters this weekend or in our bed this weekend is <laughs> come it like came out, you know, 60 years after the novel came out. So like there's been a lot of stuff they could have gone in a slightly different direction. But 
I, I don't necessarily think that that would have been a fair adaptation of this thing. Which doesn't necessarily make you like it more or less. It's just like, I don't think that that would have been fair to adapt the original thing. And just because a bunch of shit stole from the original thing in the intervening six years, I don't think that that then means that this adaptation has to go like way off the rails. So I think that's part of why it worked better for me than it did for you. Which is, again, is, is not to say that like your, like your stance on like, do something different, do something unique. Like that's fair. That's a fair criticism of a sci-fi movie, but like this is adapting, like this isn't a totally original sci-fi IP, right? Like, and if I, I think your criticism, like what you're saying, I think would be more fair if it were being levied at a new piece of sci-fi IP that was like trying to break into the world now, as opposed to something that's already existed for six years. Has Dune only been out for six years? Sixty. It came out oh. in 60, 65 is when it was published. Um, the one thing I was going to say, and this is something that, because, again, I knew almost nothing about this movie that I've seen from, like, Twitter, is that uh, because it's made so much money that it's going to make it more likely for a lot of sci-fi movies to get made in the future, and I do think that that is cool. Yeah. Even though, like, sci-fi isn't really my genre... Um, like because you can do so much with sci-fi that you can't do with uh, like regular old fiction or drama. Um, I think that that sort of stuff to have it be done well. Sorry, my dog is <laughs> trying to eat my sweater. Um, because you can do so much with that genre that you can't do with like regular old fiction. Um, I think it's super cool that the likelihood of that those stories getting funded in the future is pretty cool. Yeah, I agree with you. So we're like, no matter what I say about this movie, the fact that people are going to see it and it visually looks amazing goes to show that, like, you can do a lot with sci-fi. Yeah. and that's I, I besides do, Star Wars. No yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I do think, like, you're right. I think, I think the only way that this story could have been told in a movie format is to be split up over two. Mm-hmm. But even there... I still think that this movie, like this story could have been better as like a six hour miniseries, like, like give it the, give it the budget, right? Like do it on HBO, like give it the Game of Thrones money. Like, I think that would have been a, in my opinion, a bet. Like I, I'm very happy with this version and I will very much like, I will go see part two on opening weekend, probably multiple times, but like. To your point, Matt, you wanted more of the world building. That world building exists if you want to pick up the novel. And so I, I do... Wouldn't that, 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 sounded a, that sounded a lot shadier than I wanted it to be. That's, that was not no, my I, intention. I but, like, that world building does exist. And I think that, like, in order to make this a movie, something had to get cut. And so that some of that world building is the stuff that got cut. And so I do think, like, a six-hour yeah. version of this on HBO Max or whatever, where they actually could have spent a little bit more time building out some of that stuff, maybe would have been a little bit more successful, at least in, in terms of what you are looking for. Um, but that's not, the, that's not the version we got, so, you know. Right. Yeah, I just, I feel like I wasn't won over by the world that has been built. And I think a lot of it has to do with the visuals. But I think also because 
we don't really understand the true mythos that's going on. The way, like, in some... Uh, the voice is clearly the inspiration for Star Wars Jedi mind tricks. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously. But I think, like, getting an understanding of, like, what the craft is is so glossed over in this and unimportant that then it doesn't have any of the wonder that like a Star Wars movie has where like you're finding out the force and the music swells and you feel like what is this magic that I'm finding out about and like this is so uninterested in moments of like wonder and is more interested in scale and of showing how insignificant individual players are and that's kind of what like what I've gathered from the Dune series is that it's like this story and the one that was most recent are like thousands of years apart to the point where you're like the individual actions in the end of this particular story mean very little to like the grand scale of cosmic movements that happen and I think that's very tough to communicate on screen when you've like removed a lot of the wonder from this world and even the visions just being shots of Zendaya like I was looking forward to like whatever the fuck spice trips look like and to have them literally be sweat dreams of like a person in clear terms was like how is this exceptional for where you could take something literally like a spice trip we're like, we don't know what that looks like. You could do whatever you want with it. In the same way that I get mad about Inception being about dreams, and in the end you're like, and we're going to go to a compound in the snow, and we're going to go to a hotel room. And it's like, this is as big as you could get with this idea. And it felt like Dune in some ways, the areas that you can kind of create this visual cinematic world, they chose grounded, practical realistic blandness so that was like it's why why that's not what paul's visions are (laughs) like his like they're like he has he has dreams before he like has the spice like like in the tent like he has dreams of zendaya 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 Anyway. Zendaya. Zendaya. Yeah. I, I, I used to know how to say Dreams it. Dreams of Zendaya is a known concept. Yeah. Everyone We've all been Zendaya. there. Um, yeah. But, like, when he's introduced to the spices, when he starts having those visions, and I think that you saying that his visions are just pictures of Zendaya is wildly misrepresenting what's actually on screen because that's just what else what else is i mean he has the vision of like everything burning he has the vision of his mom being pregnant he has the vision of like all of the fremen like him leading all the fremen in an intergalactic jihad like all of that stuff is there and it's more than just him seeing zendaya so is it just shots of the next movie? Because I don't fucking need that. Just show me the rest of the movie then. I don't need visions of later scenes that haven't been filmed yet. I would like to see something that's more surreal. And then bring that up with Frank exactly Herbert because that's what's in the fucking novel. Yeah, and that's why that's what I'm saying. I genuinely don't find this world to be that much different from just like things happening. There's like very little wonder what about even to the free world. Will? Dune. Just because he sees it, does that mean he's gonna in have some a ways war across the galaxies? I don't know. I well, guess we'll we have learn... to find out in part well, two. We... 
in the finale of this one, we do kind of learn that he sees himself getting stabbed by the guy, and instead he mm-hmm. does the stabbing. But and so like he's broken. He kills that. himself in order to become. Mm. I thought that was like a you need to kill your old self in order to become this new person. Yeah, that part I thought I was cool. Like, That's the second half of the first part is pretty good, <laughs> but the I just first one more Zendaya. Yeah. We about to get her. I was gonna say. I know that. I know that much. I do think it'll be really interesting, because like as much as you may have not enjoyed this first one, I do think it'll be really interesting to revisit this conversation after you've seen the second one. Have they even filmed the second one yet? It hasn't even been no. greenlit yet. <laughs> Which, like, that is, I think, the inherent like act of violence against the <laughs> audience in this movie. Is to make part one without having even greenlit part two. And yes, Villeneuve was like, I'm only going to do it if it's two parts. But like, if there's no, if, if there isn't a guarantee that we will see more of the story, you've made half a story and that's what we got. And that's like cheating to be like, and if you want to see the rest, pay another billion dollars for us to make this movie. It's like, maybe they should have just given the green light to both of them. And that's less Villeneuve, but more like... Hollywood. If there's no guarantee we're going to get part two, I mean, maybe make part one a complete story in some way. Like, it make, it make something happen. So... Instead of ending halfway through. Again, this is going to sound snarkier than I want it to. But, like, all of this exists. <laughs> like, if you want the end of the story... It's available to you. It's not available to you in one format, maybe. Hopefully not. Like, hopefully it will be available to us in this particular format. But if for whatever reason that does not come to pass, like, it's still there. And, like, that doesn't necessarily make this, like, part one good. I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought it was compelling for what it was. Mm -hmm. But, like, if, if your biggest complaint is that, well, now the story's unfinished, it's not like fucking game of thrones like the novel series and if not, not that i'm wishing death upon him but like if george R. R. martin dies before he ever finishes that it's not like that right like he already he already tested right. an ending out he's <laughs> yeah, like he's like i got yeah. one out there that didn't fly so i but hope, it, like, I it's hope not... the second part is like only an hour and 15 minutes and they somehow <laughs> defy spatial logic and <laughs> This is a Game of Thrones reference, everybody. Every one person. <laughs> but yeah, like, it, the the story does exist. It's out there. And again, that doesn't necessarily if make this version of it, like, Maybe the definitive one. But, like, it is they there. Made it, so, I know. But they should have made it, like, Reloaded and Revolutions, where it's like, there's a clear... They should have. Do you know, do you know why they didn't? <laughs> because nobody because went... Because Warner Brothers doesn't know what the fuck Because nobody doing. went to Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. Blade Runner 2049 Blade Runner 2049 was a like an IP big budget like retelling like bringing back into a world that already is, like already was established with a fan base already built in like in theory should have made money and just didn't make money. Like was a like widely known to be a huge box office disappointment if not outright bomb so 
Denis comes. It's everyone else's fault. I'm not. I was gonna say like I like. I blame everyone who didn't see Blade Runner 2049 for Dune not already being. But I was so. gonna say like if Blade Runner 2049 had made its money back, or at least like come closer to making its money back, maybe yeah. Warner Brothers isn't as trigger shy about greenlighting a a two part movie did, that they filmed back to back. But it didn't make any money, and so Warner Brothers is trigger shy. They're not like they're not. This movie costs 170 million dollars to make. They weren't going to drop three hundred plus million dollars on just a total gamble. I mean, they got to spend that money on the Snyder Cut. <laughs> oh, God. How did uh, exactly exactly? How did Lord of the Rings get Fuck all three a. done at one time? It was a different time. It was twenty years ago. <laughs> and New Line was like, "Oh my God, we need something. We have all we've made in the past twenty years is Ninja Turtles." I'm pretty sure New Line was responsible for a rush hour. Uh, and you know <laughs> a girl loved her Jackie Chan. Um, <laughs> but no, but, I mean, it, it's, a, it's, it's a totally different industry now than it was even 20 years ago. I know. Here's a question, um, though. Would you say Dune, is, the book, is better than the movie, or Dune the movie is better than the book? Because mm. this is coming also from someone who loves joking, rogan, rogan, token, is yeah. that I think Lord of the Rings movies are better than Lord of the Rings books, which is I, like highly controversial. Yeah. But those movies are so good and they hold up. Uh-huh. But continue. No, I, I think it's a it's an interesting question. Um, I mean, they're the only book, by the way, that I think the movie is better than the book. I think it's tough because, like, again, this only tells half the story. Whereas, yeah, like, but for like the first half of the book, to the first half of the movie, where they're going with, yeah, it. since you enjoyed it, how does it? It's okay. Like, there's no right or wrong. Well, no, no, I know. I'm, I'm trying to like. I. But if you do get it wrong, you <laughs> I did enjoy reading the book, but I will never read it again. There's not. There's no way okay. I will ever read Dune again. Whereas, like, and you've seen I will Dune three times. Continue right? to watch this movie over and over and over so like mm. is it necessarily that this movie is better than the book i don't know that's not necessarily a fair th- my my argument for which i would choose is not necessarily fair to say yeah. one is better than the other because i do th- like i said i do th- like i'm glad i read dune i, I thought it was very interesting and i thought Played a lot of doing the dune <laughs> i've learned a dune but <laughs> it's all I can Another think tweet. of now. It's all I, all I think of any time you said Benny Jesseret. I'm just going to Benny Jesseret. Just... It's going to be Ben Zobris walk-up song next next season. But Honestly, it's going to be, be better than his, his wife before. singing, his ex-wife singing a terrible yeah. version of it. Benny! <laughs> oh, that was rough. Um, yeah, I don't know. I Like I said, I, I enjoyed this, and I was curious... I'm very happy that you did. Let me just also say yes. that. It's that I'm thrilled you actually enjoyed it because you read the book and you were so pumped that I'm thrilled you did enjoy it to like the utmost and degree. I, also, I, you're I, blind enthusiasm, or not blind, but just like insane enthusiasm for this movie is what made me, me put on it. Dune <laughs> in the middle of the afternoon <laughs> from my bed. Uh, so, well done. Matt, I'm happy that you have Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, bitch. That's we my we both have our Denis movies of choice. So. Yeah. And I think 
I what I really took away from this movie, and it was like towards the end as I was like really taking inventory of like didn't care about the setting, didn't care about the plot, didn't care about the world building, and was like, you know, I don't have to be enthusiastically interested in any and every franchise. It's okay that this just exists for other people to enjoy. And that, it, you know, it's got a very long history. There's a whole fandom around Dune. And I guess I just don't need to care that much about it. Which was, like, a weird revelation like, to have. I know it like sounds Dune, like Dune, Dune, the IP, and, like, all that's involved yeah. is going to be fine without you. <laughs> like, yeah, what does IP yeah. mean? Intellectual property. Independent, intellectual, oh. independent <laughs> protractor. Um, <laughs> no, but, like, even Harry Potter, I feel, like, pressure to enjoy it. And I'm like, I got I that do one covered. It. Don't worry. <laughs> Tierney's no, got know. us, got all of us covered. And that's, I was thinking like how they split that book up in two, but they still had, uh, and part of it's the pacing of the book. I don't know the pacing of this book, but they still had the climax. Mm-hmm. But that's because of the way the story is laid out. I did. I was trying to think. So Matt obviously made mention that he had thoughts on this movie. So I was like trying to proactively think about what he could have not liked. And so when he, I was like, okay, what's one thing that he could have not liked the fact that it's only half the story. So then I was like trying to think about other. (laughs) And so like Harry Potter, like book seven slash movie seven and eight was one that I thought. I still haven't seen part one. (laughs) I've only seen part two. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only Harry Potter movie I haven't seen all the way through is part one. And I'm like, I think I got it. That's incredible. I think I figured out what the rest of it is. I mean, it is a children's book. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Which, like, Dune is certainly not. <laughs> Dune is absolutely not a children's book. Um, but I was, like, I, I, I was trying to think of other ones. And it's weird, because, like, s- splitting up Harry Potter didn't bother me. Splitting no. up this didn't bother me. Splitting up Twilight, I just thought was funny. I never read those books, and but I saw all the mm-hmm. movies, and it just was funny that it pissed everyone else off. <laughs> and I was just, like, trying... And, like, technically, Lord of the Rings is split up. Like, Jolkin, Rolkin, Rolkin, Tolkien envisions it as one big story that he, like, is split. So, like, that's not necessarily... Yeah, but each... It's a story of three books. Right, right. So that's what I was going to say. That one's a little iffy. The Hobbit one, obviously... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Hobbit is maybe the most. But the one, that, the one that I, example. the one that I yeah. thought of, <laughs> was uh, Mockingjay Part One and Mockingjay Part Two, because I loved the first one. I read all the novels, saw the first movie in theaters four times. Mm-hmm. Loved the first one. Second one I thought was like okay. The third one I was so so pissed off that they only told half a story that I, to this day, have not watched the second one. I own it. It's on I my movie shelf. Like, it's just, yep. I bought I'm it for, like, $6 because I'm a completist and an idiot. But, like, I was like, I will never watch this because fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's how I, I was feel. like, I feel You're like right. that's, like, that, like, my reaction to Hunger Games part, or Mockingjay part one is probably how Matt feels about Dune part one. <laughs> Yeah. Although I do, I, I do hope like, that you come back around for part two if and when it gets made. I'll fucking see it. Who cares? <laughs> uh, but like the idea too of like comparing technologies. This is really quick. We've been doing this for too long. We at some point have to wrap up. But <laughs> the idea of like lightsabers being the Star Wars weapon and like the technology in this being like 
the vibrating guard things, I was like, yeah, even this, I'm like less interested in like what this unique tech is. So that's another thing that's lost in the movie. Um, in in the in the world. So, like, this is set in the year, like, 10,191 or whatever. I did like that they yeah. put it real far in the future. It is... And is this Earth humans? Uh, I mean, ish. It's I mean, so it's, it's long, like... And it's not even, like, what we conceive of as years. Like, this is, like, a intergalactic standard year, which is mm. longer than sure. what we perceive as a year. So, I like, guess. Yeah. What? Oh, wait. Oh, and oh. <laughs> It's like, what yeah. the fuck? Um, so, like, it's not even, like, what we would consider our year. It's not 8,000 years from now. It's, like, right. 15,000 years from now. So, like, it is so far past what we could ever, like, we, the three of us, could ever perceive as time. Like, um, but in the world, the society is basically, like, moved on from technology. Like, like, because they're, like, they basically got rid of all AI. And honestly, at this point, isn't that what we, we need to do? We should, too. <laughs> yeah. I rest my case. <laughs> so. So that's why there's no robots and shit. Mm-hmm. And it's just a bunch of people with swords. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm actually, might read this book things. now. <laughs> <laughs> because if you could make okay, that bridge from, like, mining resources to extinction and... Like well, not using technology, I'm totally on board. I don't, I don't know if the book will get there for I know. you, but like, I mean, that is just some extra context. That, like, I don't know if the book will like give you that bridge. I know, but that is I'll some do extra it in my context. Mind, like I did yeah. with 2001. <laughs> yeah. And so symbolically, this black block is here uh, to represent tools. Literally, thought which it I was also a symbol. I also. I also think it is sim- symbolic, oh but I think God. it's also in the story, literally. I mean, if we want to talk talk about 2001, I think the end is supposed to be kind of abstract and maybe surreal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can also accept that, like, maybe this black monolith is some sort of alien technology. And the star child is, like, a character in the follow-up book. So, like, the, that baby at the end is, like, an actual thing not a sim- symbol it's like a floating space baby cool but then they're like should we talk to that space baby um <laughs> trill uh, more it? more space babies please <laughs> more space babies please um Do we want oh and the other thing that i was gonna no i was gonna ask something about the uh never mind i think oh i was like i did have a question while i was watching the movie i was like duncan idaho Duncan Idaho. Wow. Interesting name, Duncan Idaho. And then I was like, maybe at some point in the history of this ex- this uh, empire, the state of Idaho did something notable <laughs> that then the name has rung out through the history of time and space. And like Idaho became notary, like of note. And I was like, that's an interesting concept. That's something that we think is like stupid and lame now could be cool and notable in the future for like unknown reasons to us now. And that's what I took away from the name Duncan Idaho being in this movie that takes place in 10,000 years from now. That's all. My one final thought is just, I texted this to Joel, but I'm just going to put it out there for our listener who might be Joel this episode. (laughs) Um, 
I think my ideal scenario for the rest of the Dune franchise is we get a theatrical part two. Denis back, the cast is back, the budget's back, all that good shit, mm-hmm. and we just get the final, the f- like the full telling of this novel. Yeah. But then they transition to HBO Max and tell the rest of the series like that. Everybody's looking for the new Game of I'm Thrones. Not. Fucking Warner this Brothers it. has it. <laughs> like, yo, you've got the property already. Like, the books are there. It's a full story. And my God, did that does that shit go off the rails? Like, it's fucking oh, nuts. And, like, I don't want to see it in a theater, but I want somebody to present it to me because, holy shit, it's wild. So that's... I'm on board. Yeah, I would say... If you're ever bored and just want to... Tierney, if you read Dune, like the novel, and like it, and feel like you want to continue reading, go for it. I only read the first one, and then I read the Wikipedia synopses of the subsequent ones, and I was like, I'm so glad I stopped when I did. Like, it gets cool. fucking nuts. But yeah, I mean, if HBO or if Warner Brothers wants to give somebody, you know, billions of dollars to turn that into a seven-season TV show, I'll watch every episode of it. Yeah, they're making Lord of the Rings, so like big book series. Exactly, right? Not wait. <laughs> Tyranny's ready. Um, categories. Um, do we want to skip it this week since it's kind of a bonus pub? And since like some of the the questions are like, should it have been nominated for an Oscar? Uh, yeah, or and since it's been like an hour plane? and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay we can skip them this week uh but when we in two plus years when we record our dune part two podcast we're gonna do them all god i hope i'm alive in two and a half years (laughs) lol at any of us lol the world be alive in two and a half years all right we don't have to do most of the categories but i do want to hear what you guys have been up to other than watching dune um i uh have continued watching why the last man Oh, I saw The French Dispatch, uh, the new Wes Anderson movie. I feel like we could probably talk more about it on our, like, normal episode. But uh, I thought it was very fun, but we talked about it afterward, and I was like, I don't know if it was, like, uh, like a lot. It just seemed kind of, like, cute, charming stories, and that's about it. Which was, like, nice. But, yeah, not, not Wes Anderson's best. Definitely, certainly not worse than Isle of Dog, so that's a plus. Um, At one point, and, so Matt and I were talking about it on Thursday night after we both saw it, and he was like, I think he said like, I mean, Isle of Dogs is better, but like, the way he said it was not like 100% clear that he wasn't fucking with me, and I think there was just this like, five second pause where neither of us said anything, and then I was like, ah! <laughs> He's like, okay, I'm just kidding. I'm like, okay, thank God. <laughs> it's like, I... That movie is so depressing. <laughs> that movie's like a wet blanket visualized. Um, I don't want to watch a bunch of sickly dogs and garbage. <laughs> That's not what I come to a Wes Anderson movie for. I come to a Wes Anderson movie to watch those dogs like... die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fucking exactly. Um, but yeah, so I French- watched the French Dispatch and enjoyed it. Um, I've watched a little more Why the Last Man. Um, oh, uh, last night we saw the welcome return of Insecure, and I watched the first episode of this season, um, have many thoughts on that, uh, and 
all positive except for like emotionally yeah negative um <laughs> and then uh of course have continued to watch our bay succession god bless it uh which continues to nail it every week just uh, the best and then the the new episode of curb as well what a sunday on hbo we're back baby we're here and we're ready to have fun <laughs> Is there a catchphrase now for the channel? <laughs> HBO has adopted We Here For You. <laughs> so yeah. It's their catchphrase. Tierney, yeah. you gotta get caught up, my girl. It's so good. <laughs> I will. Eventually. At one point, at one point in this episode, uh, Kendall is like, I don't know what I think about Dad. I love him. I hate him. I'll, I'll outsource it to our therapist. <laughs> I was like, dope. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so show. funny. Um, Tierney, what have you been up to? Uh, so I ordered a bunch of books from the UK slash Ireland because they are not in print here and they've been on my reading list for too long and they have arrived. Um, so I read one um, called The Importance of Being Ashling. It's a sequel to a book I read in like January. Uh, it's quite good. It's just like a, a chick lit, I think is what they're called. Mm. Um, and then I'm reading now the third in that series called Once Type Twice Three Times Nationally and I watched Insecure and Curb Your Enthusiasm and um, Insecure was great Curb Your Enthusiasm I might be it's I'm out of practice it's rough to watch so (laughs) I need to I need to toughen myself up again because it's been so... I mean, there's been a global pandemic since it was last on. I'm a bit softer than it was before uh, to where I could handle some of the cringe moments. But now I'm just like, I want to die. Why am I doing this? Yeah, I said out loud multiple times, Larry, oh God, no. Oh, Larry, stop. So so I only made it... I texted you guys. I only made it like 10-ish minutes into the premiere. Um, and then I got a note that the, my projector was overheating. So I think I need to buy a new air filter. But anyway, so I saw the first 10 minutes and the Netflix pitch meeting <laughs> was so uncomfortable. <laughs> and when it gets like, worse at the end, when he's worse. like, just don't give me any notes. And they all start laughing and he's like, I wasn't joking. It's like, Whoa. <laughs> also, it felt exactly like what a Netflix pitch meeting is, which is yeah. like, uh, you know, here's some loose ideas I've got. And Netflix being like, it's great. We love it. It's great. Here's some money. Yeah. Here, Congrats. You did money. it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly although, I I, although I will say uh, when he's pitching, he's in a room with four people. So one of them is Reed Scott, our boy from Veep. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, rich white dude, tech bro. Check. Uh, and then there's a woman in a wheelchair, there's a black guy, and then there's another woman. And I was like, there is no fucking way that Netflix pitch meetings are this diverse. <laughs> like, I do not believe that that's true. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I think, and may, I was also like, how is Larry gonna make this right. the worst? Yeah. Like, how is he going to demolish any goodwill that exists among this group? Uh or I was a little afraid of, like, what is the commentary that this show is going to have on diverse writing rooms? And maybe that's still coming. It might be. But. It probably oh is. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to, he's not going to be, he's not going to go quiet. Yeah. This is not going to go well. <laughs> so that'll be fun to watch himself destruct yeah. throughout the next, you know, 10 weeks or whatever. Um, I haven't done too much. I was uh, dog sitting. 
So you're I was just watching with the Dune dogs. over and over. Just watch Dune a lot. Yeah. I texted some friends that I was going to a movie on Sunday, and one of them was like, "Are you fucking seeing Dune again?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> I was like, "No." <laughs> um, but I did. I rewatched Cabin in the Woods. Uh, mm. I love that movie. It's so fun. I know that Matt has met on that movie, but I really enjoy it. <laughs> I just think it's, like, a very good essay. I don't think it's a bad movie, but I think it's, like... A better essay? It's, just, it ex- it's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. um, I also saw uh, Malignant, which is a super fucked up horror movie. Uh, Tierney... Tierney would love it. Don't Probably don't watch that movie. <laughs> I mean, you said Malignant, and I was about to make a joke and say, is it my biopic? But... <laughs> It appears not. It is not. <laughs> um, it's a good joke, though. It is a good joke. Uh, the, it's a great I also, joke, even. But I would say it's a great joke. It's a TikTok reference. We don't need to go there. <laughs> What's a TikTok? Where she goes, it's a good joke. It's a great joke, even. Do you not? Okay. Continue. Nope. <laughs> is TikTok a thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on I TikTok. I saw The Harder They Fall, which is the new <gasps> Netflix movie yes. uh, with Regina King and Idris Elba and Jonathan Majors, Lakeith Stanfield, Stanfield. RJ Seiler. Dude, this cast is out of fucking control. And they're Thank all in it. Looks like, so it's so good. It, they're not like bit parts. Like they're all in it like pretty significantly. Zazie Beetz is in it. She fucking rules. Wow. Um, anyway. I don't want to say too much because it's only in limited release in theaters right now. And I think it comes out on Netflix in like a week or two. I'm not totally sure. Mm. Um, but I did enjoy it. And I am excited to talk to someone about it. So whenever it drops on Netflix or Matt, if you feel like checking it out in the L.A. area where I'm sure it's playing somewhere. I want to find it. Let the me know. City of Angels. And then I also saw the uh, Velvet Underground documentary. Um, wow. Which is very good. Was it just inside all the shades? It's the velvet oh. underground. <laughs> I need to go to bed. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> uh, that. I, I. It's very well done documentary. Um, it's very. Is Nico in it? Nico's in it. I mean, bless. Sort of. I mean, like Nico's dead, so like. <laughs> Why not? But, like, in, in yes, yes. Okay. I was like, so like Nico's not talk actually, about Nico? but yes, Nico is involved in the story of the Velvet Underground in the movie. It's like yes, Weekend less. at Bernie's. It's just Nico's corpse. <laughs> oh my God. She's been gone for like 40 years too. Jeez. Um, like we have an exclusive interview. But that movie, it's just like, it's so intense that like the first like 30 minutes, I was like, I think I hate this. Like actually hate this. <laughs> like the choices that Todd Haynes made in, in making this movie. I was like, oh, man. no, fuck this. And then I don't know if it was like, it finally clicked for me or if it was just like at a certain point, I had just been beaten down that I was just like Stockholm syndrome. But by the end of it, I was like, fuck yeah, that ruled. So, <laughs> so I don't know. Somebody else go see that movie and talk to me about it. So I can see if, <laughs> which version of, of it it was. <laughs> Uh, but that's it. That's me. That's it. That's you. That's me. That's T. I'm finished.